Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Pat. Hey, man. Thanks for welcoming me. Smallville, we're back at it. Back at it again with the Let's white fans. Is this the final one? No. There is one more part that we have to do after this, and that is to wrap it all up. Wrap up Smallville? Yes. Okay. So right now, this is part four of our five-part journey, and the episodes that we are covering tonight are from season five, six, and seven. We are going to hit all three seasons tonight. I have watched all the way through. You have watched the key episodes. Mm -hmm. And I will get you caught up per usual. But before we do that, housekeeping. Vicarious Living Podcast on Instagram and Vicarious Living Pod on Gmail. And you said we have a Gmail? We sure do. It's mailbag time. Read that shit. All right. Um, this email, and we fully appreciate this email, is from Natalie J. Mm. So thanks for writing in, Natalie. By the way, Natalie is probably fairly soon going to be scheduled to come on for a lady takeover for the movie classic Love and Basketball. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I feel like that's highly sought off after. Yeah, I think it's going to be Natalie J, Lauren S, and potentially intern Whitney. That'll be our call on intern Whitney, though, you know? We'll we'll decide if she can join that. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Read her email. Uh, Natalie J says, I wish I had more time to dedicate to this pod review. I listened to the pod this AM while driving up to Cleveland to give a presentation on a technical tax topic that I know nothing about. Overall, impressed with the content of the pod. You can tell you and Zerb actually love movies. I love the background and little tidbits you gave. Man, this is a nice review. Just real quick. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I was not involved in this podcast, so I'm a little left out right now. But Does it make you one. jealous? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay, go. I'll, keep I'll the go praise on. coming, though, Pat. Don't <laughs> stop now. Kingsman is a fucking amazing movie. Incredibly underrated. I have a massive hard-on for Taron Egerton. There oh, needs to be. He's a, he's a little guy. Mm-hmm. He's a little guy, though. Does Natalie <laughs> like little guys? I mean, she said it. I guess it. so. Okay. <clears throat> there needs to be a breakdown because all the characters were once teens. <laughs> mm. I had no idea the kick ass director did Kingsman 2, and that detail was. That's in asterisks. Chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud of you guys for handling the movie MVP over to CGM. Oh, yeah, that was necessary. There, You have to agree with that. There's no way you can give an MVP to kick ass to anyone but Chloe Grace Moretz. Right. Um, it was refreshing how much you two, how much the two of you seem to truly be fans of hers and her action sequences. The Funky Dunk story was hands down the best. I am literally LOLing in my meeting just thinking about it. More of that, please. <laughs> Hashtag Westside. <laughs> Westside. <clears throat> Biggest fucking mistake of the pod. Here's where it takes a turn. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck was the parallel with Kill Bill? How could you miss the connection between these movies and the action scenes and the characters? Fail. Sorry. Fail. 
<laughs> superhero tangent. The next superhero movie with a different take reviewed needs to be Into the Spider-Verse. It is so good. Lots of teens and lots of ta- fresh takes on the Spider-Man story. That's it. Do less. Mm, love that. Nice. Thank you. I have seen Into the Spider-Verse listener. and agree. It's awesome. Is that the uh, cartoon? It's the new cartoon that came out. I heard that, yeah, got really good reviews, and I was always a little skeptical because I was like, is this just some bullshit critic thing? But knowing that we have a VL listener mm-hmm. who's giving it that word of mouth bump. Now we're obligated. Now we're obligated. I would not be opposed in general on going back to a, a comic book movie, but doing it like on a Spider-Man because he is a teen. That would easily fucking count. Big time. Um, and then on her second point, Kill Bill... I agree in the vein of like that is very much what John Wick is just a whole bunch of sweet fighting and kills to cool music and stuff like lots of kills body counts that are like up in the upper 50s 60s all in on that I got to say though I've never been that big on the kill bills like they just didn't draw me in really are you a Quentin Tarantino fan in general I'm like 50 50 like I don't the unpopular opinion alert the pulp fiction stuff i just don't get it does not surprise me i know now i love inglorious bastards i loved once upon a time in hollywood there's a couple of them like a few of them that i do like a lot but i don't know why pulp fiction maybe it's i saw it when i was too young i should rewatch it now and see if i'm if i have a different opinion yeah you should because I honestly, I've never heard anyone else say anything other than they're obsessed with Pulp Fiction. You should probably give it a rewatch. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, I just watched Kill Bill like two days ago on Netflix. Has uh, it hold weird, up? Weird coincidence. Yeah, it's awesome. And yeah, the in the final scene, she kills, I think, at least 80 people with a sword. I think you're oh, a samurai big sword, yeah. samurai sword guy. So I know like it's pretty much up your alley. What I will say is great dvd cover for that movie on on the first volume kill bill volume one it's just a yellow cover with a samurai sword and like a hand holding that and that's it it's like very simple dude simple's coming back i'm i'm fucking noticing that like just in general like with i noticed it at work with like creating like work content for customers it's all about simplicity keep it simple doing less but I'm also noticing it on Instagram, like I'm feeling like some of my Instagram posts are just getting too busy and too noisy. And sometimes, dude, if you just have it be like a little more simple, it like is more impactful. Are you are you saying you're going to go with like a new minimalist style on your posts? No, you change things up. A I just bit? I want to ha- I want to be cognizant of it. I want to be aware. <laughs> it's just something to be aware of. So I'm not going to change too much with the posts, but. It's going to be top of mind like, hey, check the noisiness level. <laughs> but yeah, I, both of us on this, we love pointing out the the details and all of Quentin Tarantino's movies are just jam-packed with all that stuff. One of the ones that I noticed when I was doing uh, Kill Bill a couple of days ago, unrelated to Natalie's email, just a weird coincidence, but there's a scene, if you remember, there's a fight scene where one of the characters sticks her hand in a cereal box and like surprise shoot someone Mm -hmm. like with a gun through the cereal box to surprise them yeah before she does that she's pouring the cereal kind of still acting low-key and the the brand on the cereal is called kaboom 
Uh-huh. So yeah, it's just like, all the, yeah. it's just chalk filled with all that little stuff and, and you can never watch it enough. He's a great director. I'm not going to deny that. Um, and I do love when you find those little nuggets like that. I, feel like- I don't know why. You know what it is? It's just his personal style. There's other directors that match me personally better. Like I go, for instance, to Jason Reitman. He is like, in a nutshell, what I love movies about. Let me just. Does he have any action movies? No. <laughs> Let me list. What we need is a Quentin Tarantino movie about the teens. Mm. Mm-hmm. We could probably find one. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there is. I don't think there is. Okay, can I just list off really quick why Jason Reitman is my favorite director? Let you me just list his my movies. permission. Yes. Thank you for smoking. Great movie. Juno. Mm-hmm. Up in the air. Yep. Young adult. Tully. I've not seen that. Those are his big ones. We should. We could do. Uh, it's, I feel like somebody's already got Juno reserved. I don't think so. I don't think anyone's reserved that actually. When we're ready to dive back into indie teen movies, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. that's our next step. So. Anyways, thank you, Natalie, for reaching out via email. That was very well thought out. So we wanted to dedicate the time that it deserved in response. Yes. What would make me really happy is to see that robust of an email in my inbox every time we're about to fire these mics up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Smallville, part four. First and foremost, I got to get you caught up where we left off from the last podcast it was the first episode of season five chloe now knows clark's secret clark is still fucking around with like lana will they won't they all that stuff that's where we left off last time leading into tonight what we're gonna cover is there is a fire episode in season five yeah and leading up to that couple points first one Lana and Clark have been dating like all of season five. Finally. And that's when I say all, I mean, they've had like a stretch of 12 episodes of dating. We, we leave off with them proclaiming their love to each other. Yeah. So they're full on dating now for the first half of season five. Cool. Lois. She's now officially here to stay. Nice. Here's the clip on how they explain that fortuitously to the audience. Well, I know what you did this summer. (laughs) Lois? Oh, don't look so guilty, Smallville. It's about time you lovebirds flapped your wings. What are you doing back? Yeah, we thought you were in Europe until the end of the year. Hoping. (laughs) Well, are you going to stay with Chloe? Actually, I just ran into Mrs. Kent at the Talon, and right out of nowhere, she asked if I'd like to move back in at the farm. Yeah, right. Really? I know. Isn't that sweet? Oh, don't worry, you little snuggle bunnies can hop around all you want. I'm a heavy sleeper. I just love it, dude. I, I love it. They, they don't even try. It, it's not even an attempt of like, hey, we need to find a real tangible reason for her to say. It's just like, just fuck it. Just throw one comment out there and who cares? Moving on. We need her in the cast. It's kind of like if you're in like a space movie and there's like some weird sci-fi thing going on of like people are literally out breathing in space or something without suits on and it's just like it just fuck it. just throw a just comment in there about it. yeah the atmosphere fuck it just throw something out we'll move past it um jonathan kent dude 
he is going against Lex for like senator the He's whole time for senator of Kansas. <laughs> that was a storyline that I was watching. Just like who cares? The fuck is this? Jonathan Kent, the farmer, like. Who cares if he's ever senator? I mean, he's got a lot of free time because his son is a superhero and can just bang out all the farm work in like 10 minutes. So why not just run for Senate? So he's doing that. Lex is like really starting to shift. It's each season that's gone on. His good side has been diminishing and his bad side has been gaining steam. And now in season five, it's like Lex. It's probably like 75% that evil demon and he starts like in season five he's like full-on creepy i don't know if he's evil yet but he's like slowly get into this creepy mode you're like ah lex is on screen i'm uncomfortable yeah whereas i don't think it started off like that no 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 him and clark started out as like real friends and now it's like really starting to turn but the biggest thing that we need to get to is episode 12 of season five dude holy fuck well that's lucky because that's the one i watched yeah (laughs) so honestly when i was watching this episode and i've now seen through seven seasons so seven times 22 whatever that is math yeah it's up there i've seen that many hour-long episodes this season five episode was probably right now my favorite um I can't disagree with you. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So what happens is it's like a butterfly effect episode, dude. I am very intrigued by this whole premise of the butterfly effect. That Ashton Kutcher movie is like in my top 17 movies that I like. It always makes my head explode of like, if you change one thing or if you went back in your life and on that stupid little 50-50 decision that you had, if you went left instead of right, how many other things in your life would be different? I think about that all the time. Does it stress you out? Like no. as you're mo- in, in real time, does that concept stress you out or is it just crazy to think back on? It's just crazy to think back on how much chance that your life path is. And you and I were kind of starting to, when we were watching episodes tonight, get into a little bit of a discussion on like fate versus coincidence, that sort of topic. So let's get into it. Right. Let's dive in. The way this episode is laid out is Clark finally tells Lana five and a half seasons in his fucking secret. He sure does. Yeah. Do you remember how it starts? Yeah. Do you remember the song that's playing when it starts? No. Do you remember the song You're Beautiful by James Blunt? You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. It's true. Remember it now. So, yeah. Uh, Fun fact about me, in high school, I loved James Blunt. This song is fire. It's awesome. (laughs) Like, I had the CD and I would listen to it on the way to, to school at least once a week. Were you breaking up with a girl at least once a week? No, I just kind of liked the vibe. It was like good, like real sad, and it kind of fit my mood in the mornings as I was driving to school. It's so depressing. It's also the song that in the office, Michael just plays the 30-second I Don't Want to Purchase This preview, like on iTunes, over and over again when uh, I think it's Jan breaks up with him. <laughs> and I just, I it had to have freaked out the kids that I would drive to school because, you know, how on the way to school, you don't... Uh, talk at all correct 
driving dri- no. driving your carpool into school. Nope. I would just pop this on every once in a while. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Like having to think about it, like they probably just thought I was getting super emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up front, and I probably was. Probably thought you had some girl drama. Did not. But you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reason, I really connected with James Blunt in high school and still do. But when this came on, I got really excited. He's got a great falsetto, dude. Yeah. I'm not going to blame him for that. Seems like a nice guy, too. Yeah, I could see that. I saw him on Oprah. Yeah. He sang a couple of his songs. Yeah. Probably saying cool, nice things. You know, everyone on Oprah, though, seems really nice. That's true. And same with everyone on Ellen. Yeah. Everyone on Ellen just seems like, damn, this guy is like super cool and nice. They said, yeah. But I think that's... I think that's just how Hollywood works. Yeah. So anyways... I was just going to dig in a little bit more. I'll yeah. let you finish. I was yeah. just going to dig in a little bit more on the actual moment when he tells her. Go ahead. So the first thing he says, their whole thing and the reason why in Clark's mind and probably in reality, Lana's about to dump him. Because she knows there's uh-huh. this weird secret in between the two of them. He's hiding things from her. She doesn't know what it is. She just knows it's impossible for them to get any closer because he's so shut off with the secret. Yeah, which honestly, totally understandable. Totally. If you if you feel like someone's holding something massive back and not telling you, I would too. Like I'd be like, look, until you tell me this shit, how can we ever date? Yeah. Like uh, you're holding something massive back. It's like, dude. It'd be like you had, I was going to say, nah, I won't even get into it. I was going to say, it'd be like if you had two dicks and then you were just holding that secret back, like never, ha- never, never allowing Whitney to have sex with you and stuff because you didn't want her to know that you had two dicks. <laughs> Six months into marriage, she still doesn't know. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like that. At a certain point, it'd be like, okay, clearly you're hiding something because every time I try and get intimate, you won't take your pants off. Mm-hmm. You shower with pants on. Mm-hmm. What's up? And then you're going, well, I can't tell you I have two dicks. If I do, you'll break. You'll never be with me if you know the secret of me having two dicks. Yeah. So that's, I mean, a perfect metaphor for what's going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm your second stand. dick is Clark's I'm gonna, I'm gonna Superman. Let that <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so they meet in the barn. Clark's just basically hanging out, listening to James Blunt. And he is in his barn. <laughs> I mean, I did the same shit in high school, so fucking cool for him. Right. Um, Lana comes in, and he has pre-told her that he's got like a big day planned for her. Like, they're going to have an awesome... He's got a big surprise yeah. for her. And um, they talk for a little bit, and he steals Aladdin's line, which always works 10 out of 10 times with any girl, where you say, do you trust me? Mm. What are you going to say to that? Maybe. What are no. you going to say that? Yeah, you're you're going to say, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah, trust I you. Yeah. Not only do I trust you, but I'm getting a little excited right now. Yeah. Were well, you going on a magic carpet ride? I'm getting excited. That magic carpet's getting me excited down below. So uh, Clark ends up showing her his Fortress of Solitude. Yep. And he basically he tells her this whole secret, and he brings her to the Fortress of Solitude, which we talked about in the last episode. Is basically up north somewhere this big crystal yeah, snow it's cave it's his headquarters it's just hangout anyways he takes her there and just basically flies with her like picks her up and flies with her and basically shows her that he has these crazy superpowers and in that one moment we've talked we've talked about all the things that you need to 
woo like a, a female you're interested in before. Yeah. Things like danger, mystery, yeah, records, destiny, skills, status. He displays them all in one moment, mm-hmm. like one converging moment. He just lays them all out there, and it's yeah. like one versatility spear. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm dangerous because I can fly. I've got skills because look I can at this. fly. Oh, I got fly skills. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I'm with you. It, like he, I'm a superhero. That's the destiny. Anyways, he just he knocks it out of the park with this, and in kind of a weird twist, he proposes to her. That was weird. It was a little weird. It's like, dude, and Clark, it was like, for, like she, she's already like enough's happening, and he goes over the top where he actually takes like a piece of coal, yeah, and he squeezes it super hard, turns it into a diamond. Yep. And then he takes the diamond, pulls a ring out of his pocket, and mounts the diamond onto the ring with his laser eyes. Yeah. So it's just like, it. check out these skills. Lana, yeah. I think it's your destiny to be with me. Yep. And then she says yes. And then... Because she has no other choice at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> so anyways, dude, fucking... This episode's crazy. Why I say butterfly effect, what happens is Clark tells Lana his secret. And that's been the whole reason why they have not been able to get together kind of thing. And he tells her. And then fast forward, what ends up happening is essentially she gets killed and dies. Right. And he ties the fact that he told her as the reason why then inevitably she ended up dying. Blames himself. So then what happens is it's like a he can go back in time with some Superman magic that happens. Oh, yeah. Gets a crystal. Yeah. Something with crystals. Who cares? He goes back in time and he's like, I obviously cannot tell Lana. I'm going to make the viewers have to fucking extend their misery and frustration of us never being able to get together because of secrets. I'm now going to continue that and I'm not going to tell her he doesn't. But because he went and changed the trajectory of reality, butterfly effect now someone else you love has to die as like retribution. You can't beat death. No. The Grim Reaper needs a body. It was very Final Destination-esque. Um, have you seen that? Yeah. That movie. Freaks me out. Fucked. <laughs> really um, freaks me out. So that's what it was. So that's why, even though he did all that cool shit with the proposal and shown her all the skills, it's like, I can't tell her now. That's why all superheroes have a secret identity. Yeah. And you got to be a lone wolf or else you're going to get somebody hurt. Yeah. Harsh, harsh, harsh lesson for Clark this time. Now, after that, the butterfly effect kicks in. Time is reversed. He now doesn't do all that. He doesn't propose. He doesn't fly up and take her to uh, the Fortress of Solitude. He does none of that. He just bounces. And then Lana, once again, like you said at the beginning, it was make or break time. And so now when time has been reversed... Lana's like, fucking done, Clark. I'm fucking done. We're breaking up, bitch. Dumps him hard. Dumps him so hard. And so at the end of all this, what happens, dude? Fucking the butterfly effect retribution. It snags Clark's fucking dad, Jonathan. Rough. Rough. It sucked. And Jonathan fucking dies. So your question earlier was, did he die because he had a heart problem? He had some heart issues, but that's not the main reason he died. The main reason he died was like 
it was now I got to take someone else close to you. Final destination style. It's tough. Also, FYI, Jonathan Kent probably just wanted out of Smallville and go do other acting things. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's probably true. But um, last last thing, dude. Honestly, the reason why I say it was one of the best episodes, the cinematography in the final scene at Jonathan Kent's funeral. It's unreal. Describe that shit. So they're at Jonathan Kent's funeral. Like all the main characters are there mourning his death. It is pouring down the thickest snowflakes you could possibly imagine and the whole scene is white should we play the music in the Please background do. yeah um and so there's just all these slow-mo shots of people's faces kind of like sad but also in disbelief at this death mm-hmm. and there's just this shot of clark just down on one knee grabbing some ground and sprinkling it on his grave as these cotton ball sized puffs of snow are yeah. just everywhere and it's just like i mean Son of a bitch. I don't know if they needed to go that over the top with the beauty of that scene, but they did, uh-huh. and I really appreciated it. It worked. It fucking worked, dude. Yeah, that snow was clearly fake as hell, but, dude, I'll tell you what. Funerals in the snow like that, where everyone's wearing all black, yeah. it's such the a contrast. juxtapose yeah, ooh, to ooh. the fucking white. Like, It was such an epic cinematic moment i feel like even if i die in like a july i'd like them to get those um the snow snow machines from like perfect north slopes and just blast everyone with fake snow yep i think that's probably the best way to go yeah yeah it it, anyways the butterfly effect thing dude it's fucking real you know what i've noticed in this show is there's so many fucking episodes that they kind of take whatever is going on in society whether it's movies or media anything that comes out and they'll play on that i've noticed in the year that the episode comes out so i think the butterfly effect movie came out around this time 2004 range and so they did that later in the series there's like a saw episode which i think happened right after saw came out um there's a bunch of them dude it's it's a bunch of like oh i saw this episode in season four I know that this must have been on the heels of like a big movie that just came out. No, that makes sense. And I mean, it it is important for us to point out just a quick tip for the kids. If you're going to be traveling through time, be careful. Be so careful, kids. It's dangerous. Can we talk real quick about Lex and Lana's interaction before she gets in that car crash? Yeah. So there's more meat on that. I was going to say, what's their relationship? Because so, there seems to be a little bit of potentially romance, but there's a weird age gap there, I think. And he's like a big face toucher. So it was the whole thing was giving me the willies. Essentially what's happening is is we're getting a we're getting a triangle between Lex, Clark, and Lana. Right. Lex Lex is clearly trying to run the wedge. And he does. So they eventually get together. Really? It works. He does run a successful wedge, and they eventually start dating, hooking up. Lex proposes to her. It's good to be Lana. Yeah. And then there's this whole pregnancy thing where Mm. she gets pregnant with Lex's baby and gets proposed to and then decides that she's going to marry Lex. 
because of the baby and everything. Does this happen after season five? That's this is season six. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is all happening as we lead up to the next episode we're going to talk about in season six. But just know this Lana and fucking Lex, dude, they're getting it on. And as they're leading up, I just noticed and I had this in my notes. There's this fire fucking clip of Lex inviting Clark to the wedding. Here it is. Lana still cares about you. I know that. And I know what it would mean to her having you there. Is that really what you want, Lex? What I want? What I want is to make Lana happy for the rest of her life. And I want you to be there on our wedding day. To see what you lost. Make sure you RSVP. We need a head count for the reception. He's gone full bad, dude. He knows, like, dude, Clark, I just stole your bitch. Yeah. And, like, fuck you. I mean, here's the wedding. Perfect wedge, too. His in, essentially, his tact was Clark is the stoic, unavailable guy with all the secrets, walling himself off. And he does the I'm the super emotional guy, open about everything move with Lana. Totally. That is how he got her. Yeah. He, he, what's kind of ironic is that Lex is definitely still lying as much as Clark to Lana. Right. But he's just masking it with, I'm always being upfront and honest with you. Mm -hmm. So he's telling her some shit and she's just so fucking horny for the truth at this point. (laughs) After five years of dealing with Clark's lies, she's desperate for the truth. So desperate for the truth, dude. So anyways, while we're on Lana and fucking Lex getting married, last thing to tie a bow on them, I just want to say the MCITW this week, mm-hmm. it's fucking going to Lana. Ooh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And that is the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. And it is, as always, brought to you by Wickloware. W-I-C-K-L-O-W. Where be free and explore. Get all your articles. Wickloware. Yeah. Tap in the promo code VL at checkout. 10% off of your order. Kids, $30 on the baseball tees, $20 in tanks, $40 on hooded sweatshirts. It goes to you, Lana. I get the whole, we already talked about it. I get the whole portion about Clark's lying to her. It's hard to be with someone who's always lying and all that stuff. But for you to go to fucking Lex and then get married to him and be fucking doing coitus with him, such a lame fucking move. Lana is starting to suck ass, dude. I, mean, I am so ready for Lois to come in and fucking steal Clark away. I'm done with Lana. I'm done with her bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of a lame move to get with your ex's best friend. So lame. Like, the will they, won't they has been relentless, and I'm so over it, and I know some of it's Clark's fault, but guess what, Lana? Clark's Superman, and I'm going to side with him. Fuck you. Be free and explore fuck you okay another thing i just want to hit before we do this next episode in season six outside of lana is that lionel dude Mm -hmm. lex's dad yeah kind of getting cool i was uh getting the vibes on that a lot of the characters seem to be kind of like coming close to him so is he going on a a turn the other way where he starts evil and then starts to soften up yeah i my impression on him cliff notes version is that when Clark's dad died, it was sort of like because 
Clark's mom, Martha Kent, was working for Lionel. It's kind of like Lionel felt bad that Clark lost his dad and pseudo stepped in. Oh, nice. As like a adult male figure in his life. And I think he was kind of like subconsciously being like a dad to Clark that he knew he fucked up on in terms of being a dad to his son, Lex. Like Second it, chance style. Yeah. It was like, I failed with Lex. Clearly Lex, I raised a sociopath. Yeah. So I, I'm going to now maybe try and right the wrong a little bit with Clark. Cool. But... Now is the time that we get into the next big season six episode we wanted to touch on, a Justice League. This was also a great episode. And to do this, dude, we have to set the stage for the fucking kids with a superhero player breakdown. Yes. What they've been doing is they have been giving us one-off episodes with each of the Justice League members. Okay, so, so you get to know them. You get to know them. And it'll be like, oh, this is Flash. Oh, this is how Cyborg became Cyborg. This is how fucking Green Arrow became Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. They've been sprinkling it in since about season three. Okay. And we get the manifestation of bringing it all together in this season six episode cool so who do you let's start off with the small ones cyborg just know this he's a fucking robot guy yeah he's got like robot eyes what actor is that he looks uh, really jet familiar. jackson is it okay <laughs> from like, the famous <laughs> jet jackson i was like that guy looks really familiar from my past wait what was the I thing place what was that thing that he just like was really fast he was really fast as Jet Jackson. Wasn't that his thing? I barely remember the premise. I just remember that guy's yeah. face. Yeah, he ran fast. Um, he's the he's a robot guy. He he gets like backstory on him. He dies in a car crash. Luther Corp grabs his dead body, starts doing experiments on him and shit. Cool. Fucking makes him a whole robot. That's how they keep him alive. Damn, sign me up for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, what do you have to lose at that point? You're already dead. Yeah. You might as well just come back superhero. Yeah. Second one. This one's going to be quick. Aquaman. This is pre... Jason Momoa? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is pre-Momoa. Okay. This guy's blonde. Is this Aquaman's first foray until uh, like a real-life non-cartoon? I believe so. Okay. And he's always wearing orange and green, like yeah. in the comics. And he's less hairy than Jason Momoa. Um, one of my least favorite superheroes. Just not an Aquaman guy. They just have never figured out how to translate it. I even saw the Aquaman movie, the Jason Momoa one. I watched it on me a too. plane. It just it doesn't. I don't know what it is. If it's like for the, me, it's like who cares what's going on under the ocean? Yeah. Because people don't live there. So it's like really hard to save people when you're just, your only power is being able to be under the ocean. Unless, yeah, there's certain ways they can do it. But like, I feel like you're really pigeonholed in how you can help humanity as Aquaman. On the show, The Boys, the guy who is the mm-hmm. fish guy, yeah, it's 
totally he's like the joke of yeah. the superhero yeah they do crew. that perfect yeah <laughs> like, they always <laughs> like he's always getting shit on i think he actually has a fish penis <laughs> no no it said he's got gills he's got gills on his uh when he takes his shirt off he's got gills that's and, why and a fish penis that i don't know about that we'll have to look double that check up. double check that right into us right anybody in. that's watching the boys god that show is awesome let's right I think in. you guys talked about it a little bit on the kick-ass episode last week right? yeah yep so he may have a fish penis he may not point is this in this show aquaman is not that important either so who cares <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> who cares like they're like all right we're breaking into the uh the secret base uh somebody needs to swim underwater and get in Aquaman, that's you, and then you're done. <laughs> All right, then you're done. You can just hit the bounce, showers, bud. dude. <laughs> hit the showers, Aquaman. Uh, I will say this though: next character, Flash. This guy has some layers. He can run fast. And dude. I just want to preface the reason why we're not doing Green Arrow right now is because I want to save him for last because that guy is fucking layered. Yeah. Up. Oh yeah. Anyways, back to Flash. He runs fast. He runs really fast. The way they do it is cool, though. And I've always... So when he's running fast and when Superman's also like running fast with him and they're doing things together, the way they film it is just to make it slow-mo. Yep. So like they're doing things in real time, but everything around them is essentially frozen. It's blurred. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've always thought would be an awesome power. And I yeah. kind of think that's how people who are unreal athletes... That's kind of how sports probably seems to them. That is a really good connection. And I've always heard that about people who are like really clutch, mm-hmm. like Kobe Bryant or uh, Michael Jordan or whoever, uh, Derek Jeter in a baseball game. Everything I've always heard from them being interviewed is that in those clutch moments when everyone else's like heart rates are speeding up and like everything is so jacked to the fucking tits. I'm jacked to the tits. I'm jacked to the tits. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I got I just love it. I fucking put it in every podcast. Done. When everything is jacked to the tits, uh, time slows down for them more than it does for other people. So, to your point, that's the similar thing happening when like Flash is running with Clark. Everything's blurry around them. You can see them in this like fucking warp speed in slow motion looking at each other and like conversing in like milliseconds and it's like it is so cool yeah. how they do that yeah. i was thinking of like a like a quarterback or a wide receiver yeah. who's just so much faster and more athletic and more aware than everybody else everything's happening so quickly but to them it's just kind of it's yeah calm. it'd be cool it'd, it'd be, be cool really to cool. be that fast they're the one-off episode where they introduce flash in earlier seasons there's a final scene in that episode where Flash says something like, Thanks for being my friend. Are you sure there's nothing I can do to change your mind? Tell you what. If you can catch me, I'll think about it. Clark goes to try and catch him with like some cool music playing. Outside, 
and that's when he like really kicks in the afterburners and leaves Clark in his dust. It's like fuck, Flash is even faster than Superman. Yeah, so I like Flash. Okay, last one in this character breakdown. This guy's the most dynamic. Green Arrow. Oh, yeah. Kevin from This Is Us. Oh! Oh, fucking damn it. Now I hate him. (laughs) Fuck. I hate This Is Us. That is such a bad show. Show is terrible. It's garbage. Um, Anyways, but yeah, I was, it took me a couple sucks. beats. I was like, who is that guy? Oh, he's, Damn he's it. This is us. It's, it's the guy from This Is Us, except if he had like frosted tips <laughs> in 2005. Yeah. Fuck. Damn, dude. I was about to just praise Green Arrow so hard. You can still do it. While it's depressing that, that I now know that it's Kevin from This Is Us and I'm sad, I'm going to act like I didn't hear you say that. And say that Green Arrow, as a character, is so fucking dynamic. Yeah, he's cool. I mean, dude, layer the fuck up with him. Um, fill me in a little bit more on his backstory. Like he seems to be. Oh yeah. Like he seems to be wealthy somehow, and he's always traveling the world. Him and Lex hate each other because he was in Lex's boarding school, Excelsior, okay. when he was younger, and he bullied Lex. Him and a couple of his friends bullied Lex. And so, like, Lex has always hated him. I think his name is Oliver Queen. Uh, This guy, dude, to me, he's Green Arrow, and I didn't know all this, is 100% just Robin Hood now. So what happened was when he was younger, he was a piece of shit bully. He got older. He got really rich. He, like, does, like, business stuff, like, against Lionel and the Luthers and all that. Yeah. He's rich. Who cares? What I do know is that now he's kind of like trying to reform himself from his younger days and he's become like a Robin Hood. So he puts the green hood on the fucking green. Got the bow and arrow. I know you're a sucker for a bow and arrow. Yeah. Sucker. And he just like robs the rich who like get their wealth in shady ways and gives it to the poor. When his hood's on also, he changes his voice somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's like this cool, low superhero voice that seems like uh, kind of computer generated, which I found a nice detail. Yeah. The only nit I have to pick with both Flash and Green Arrow when they have their costumes on, because they both wear hoods, mm-hmm. is the sunglasses. Yeah. Sunglasses aren't a good look. It's tough. Uh-huh. It's real tough. So while we're on him, I, this this is probably the best place to talk about this while we're talking about Green Arrow. Because, like I said, this is the first episode I popped um, in on, and this is the first time I've seen him on screen, essentially. So it took me a second to kind of connect with him, but I did by the end of this episode. And he's dating Lois Lane, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, And so there's a couple interactions with them. Not enough for me to kind of get involved with a relationship until the end where they have a breakup. And so by the end of their breakup, I was like fully invested in this relationship and like <laughs> having a moment with it. Basically, his his whole thing is he's got to go off and be a superhero and travel. It's like, sorry, baby, I got to ramble. That's me. Wait, while you do this, let, let's just play the fucking clip because yeah. I actually wrote that down too. Here it is. I'm sorry. I never wanted to hurt you. 
Well, you finally got around to it anyway, didn't you? This is the... the moment, right? The moment that I'm going to regret for the rest of my life, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that is top tier teen drama lines. That just is spliced into this episode with the Justice League. That is the definition of mm, that's good stuff. <laughs> that's one of those where you like take a beat to think about it and you're like, Whoa. Fuck. Damn. He is self aware enough to know that kissing her. He's totally going to regret doing it. And he just does it anyways. Yep. This is it. This is the moment, right? This is it. Um, But yeah, that scene. So that was so well acted by him and Lois Lane that I went from not caring about them at all to being fully invested in the relationship (laughs) with one conversation. Yeah. So two things on that one. He clearly had that thing of like, I'm going to get an 11 episode run. Mm-hmm. He got from season six, episode one to season 11, the episode we're currently talking about. He got an 11 episode contract by the writers and producers and uh, nailed it. Yeah. And that's why he comes back. And I believe he finishes out the series. And also, dude, this guy got a CW Green Arrow TV series off of this. Yeah. Did you know that? I, be, I don't know if it's still running. It might be on Netflix now, too. But there is a Green Arrow series, and I believe that actor is the Green Arrow. Correct oh, me really? If I'm wrong. He stays on as the Correct Green Arrow? me if I'm wrong, because I don't know if this is us, if it's the same actor. Can you look that up? Yeah. Because while you're looking that up, what I do know is there is a Green Arrow show currently on the CW that is also being transferred over to Netflix. I don't know if it's the same actor. Live podcast look up. Um, it is not him at all. <clears throat> it's some guy named Stephen Amell. Okay. So. so not him, but still he was dynamic enough that I think people were still saying, like the audience was saying, we want more of this Green Arrow guy. Right. He went on to crush it in NBC's This Is Us. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate that show. Second point, though, to go back about Lois. Dude, this is my top note of the entire podcast. Bring it to me. Lois? Fucking cape chaser. <laughs> Harsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harsh yeah. critique of Lois Lane. I underlined that, put it in all caps, and put a star Big next to it. Big time cape chaser. So I mean, the, that's honest. The reason I say it. What you didn't see is that in the one-off Aquaman episode that we got, like we did with Flash Mm -hmm. in earlier seasons, she totally started hooking up with Aquaman. Mm. He bounced. Green Arrow came came into the picture in season six. She started fucking him for 11 episodes. Yep. And as we all know, Lois Lane ends up fucking Clark full-time. Can you blame her? Superheroes are hot, dude. No, I can't. They got skills. I can't blame they her. They got status. They got <laughs> destiny. Makes <laughs> sense. I'm just like, if I'm Clark, eventually I'm like, you fucked three of my bros. Like my tight bros. Do you like me or the cape? Yeah, what's up? 
These guys are in the Justice League. These are three of the five Justice League members that you are sucking their dicks on. <laughs> like, so if I'm Clark down the road, I'm just like, hey, remember back in high school when you were fucking all my friends? That sucks now. <laughs> so, fuck. anyways, okay. anyways, all that's going on. I love that you pulled out that quote, though. Should we even get into the uh, minutia of their whole team up in this episode? Yeah, I mean, maybe version. just a little bit. They're trying to take down 33.1. Yeah, who cares? Just know this. Lex is experimenting on people who have meteor abilities, and it's like he's building a quote-unquote super freak army. Mm-hmm. And Does he have a general purpose behind that, or is he just rich and... Seems like a good idea. Lex is just fascinated with the meteors and what it has done to people. Right. Okay. And what I will say in Lex's defense, and this is the only thing I'll say in Lex Luthor's defense, how the one aspect I empathize with him is everyone is always lying to him. (laughs) And it's it. The lies are so blatant. Like, Clark, when he saves his life, gets hit by a car at 60 miles an hour, goes into the water, rips the top off the fucking vehicle to pull Lex out and save his life. Mm -hmm. Multiply that times 100 because Clark has saved his life in that way 100 times. And Lex is kind of just always sitting there like, something's fucking up. Something is up. I mean, I can kind of level with him on that because that does drive me crazy. If there's something that there's something that I know to be true or know to be false Mm -hmm. and somebody it doesn't jive with it, just it does tweak you a little bit to the point where you're like, am I going crazy? What's going on? What's going on right now? Yeah. So in that way, I'm kind of empathizing with Lex a little bit of like, look, just just tell me what's going on. Honestly. We, you can save the whole world, the whole bullshit of me going crazy and being a, a massive supervillain and stuff. If you just acknowledge that I'm not crazy and some of this shit is happening, just say it. But no, everyone's <laughs> He's like, like Carrie from Homeland. Right. Yeah, I know. Everyone's convincing him that he's crazy and like this shit's not happening right before his eyes. And it's making him like double down on proving that it's accurate. So to go back, I think that's why he's doing all these experiments on meteor rock people and everything like that is because he's just like, I'm right here, everyone. Okay. Something's happening with the fucking rocks. Are you guys all superheroes and you're not telling me it's getting kind of pissed me off. So anyways, let's, there was a nice scene, a nice shot where the whole Justice League blows up the yeah. experiment building. Yeah. Huge explosion. No one looks back, obviously. Epic slow motion background explosion, which for this very podcast, go to our Instagram, Vicarious Living Podcast on Instagram to see the picture preview for this pod because it's that visual of the five Justice League members walking away from the explosion. Love it. And what I do want to do is pepper in a little SNL making fun of people not looking back at explosions in movies. Here it is. Seems like these days the whole world's on fire. Things keep blowing the hell up. 
And while all those rubberneckers and looky-loos stand slack-jawed staring, the real men have the nuts to walk away. Yeah. Cool guys don't look at explosions. They blow things up and then walk away. Who's got time to watch an explosion? There's cool guy errands that they have to walk to. Keep walking, keep shining. Don't look back, keep on walking. Keep strutting, slow motion. The more you ignore it, the cooler you look. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that, that is the what is happening in this scene. I wanted to point something out that you brought up, um, I think, last episode or the episode before it, where when they're in negotiations with... Um, the guy who plays Superman, they promised him that he was not going to be wearing the Superman outfit. And that's kind of always like, okay, that makes sense. I'm into it. Yeah. They must have very much held true to that word because in this episode, all the other Justice League members are fully wearing costumes and he's not. Right. Do you think there's a little bit of like, come on, you're going to put the cape on? No. I think- or do you think they're just like, that? this is how we had it in our minds and we're going to stay true to that? I think it's the latter. I think they're saying this story is not about Clark being a superhero, even though we're going to have an episode in season six that's dedicated to all the justice league superheroes teaming up. We want to stay true to our word that this is about origin story of Clark before he gets to Metropolis and works for the daily planet and wears the Cape and all that. So I think that was a conscious effort. Cool. Which to your point, they never deviate from, and on our next part five podcast, I think we'll see the only time that Clark, you ever see him wearing the suit, is in the next part five podcast we're going to do, which is the finale of season 10. Cool. And it's not even him wearing the full suit. I, I believe, and I want to get ahead of myself, the finale of Smallville ends with he's running on the top of a building. And he's like doing that Superman thing of he's pulling his suit off. And you no just see. Booth? No, no. It's him running about to go flying. Cool. And he's pulling his suit off and you see the outfit on just the S underneath. Nice. But we'll okay. get to that. So the Justice League, they all bounce. This episode ends where it's this show is still going to be a story about Clark's journey. Like we still said. So they all bounce. And it ends with they're all going off to team up. Fight crime. Fight crime together across the world. And they all leave. And now it's just back to Clark. And my question to you is, as someone who has been waiting their whole lives to see superhero drama, Mm -hmm. do you feel like this episode in season six satiated you? Yeah, I liked it. I like that there there's a mission, like Mm -hmm. a full-on mission, full-on teamwork. Um, taking down Luther Corp. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, because it was like Cyborg, you do the radio technical stuff, bitch. And Aquaman, you can obviously uh, get in the water. Green Arrow. You know what I found interesting? I thought there was a little bit of a dick measuring contest between Green Arrow and Clark. That's how superheroes do it, dude. Yeah. Were you getting that vibe? Yeah, I mean, you get two superheroes on the same mission, and oh yeah. Yeah, because it seemed like Aquaman, Flash, and... Cyborg, we're totally cool being like second fiddle, but yeah, because Green uh, Green Arrow is the leader right now. You're right, but it's like if Superman fully joins the crew, he's got the coolest powers. I feel like he naturally becomes the leader. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you think of Justice League, you think of Superman. Yeah. You don't think of Green Arrow. But I think think like uh, Captain America, Iron Man. Yeah. Like they're both badasses. So there's a little bit of a natural conflict when they kind of all hang. Yeah. Yeah. There's always going to be some dick measuring, superhero dick measuring. You got to have it. But it was it's it's also one of those things where I totally get where you just got to sprinkle the superhero stuff in and have this one-off episode be they're going to team up for a mission and do this one thing and then they kind of go away and things kind of get back to normal because you could see how that show would spiral out of control and really go off the rails if they tried to keep that pace up. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, good point. It it's it's too fast of a pace. Yeah, and it's like what are we doing here? Everybody's wearing costumes like oh. Yeah. And also just expensive because this episode had a ton of like yeah. <laughs> explosions and like a probably high dollar production value. Um, last thing I want to say just on Green Arrow, because we probably won't touch on him again to put a bow on all the Green Arrow stuff. That Robin Hood dynamic is so captivating. Give to the ri- uh, Rob from the rich, give to the poor. Yeah. 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 Tales old as time. It, it's just a captivating story. Yeah. People love it. I, I feel like they never that Kevin Costner movie was as close as they ever came on Robin Hood in a non cartoon version where Robin Hood is not a fox. <laughs> that movie's awesome. That movie is so good. The Russell Crowe one, not, not so much. No, no, no. That one sucked ass. Russell Crowe's too thick to be Robin Hood. That, he was too old to play that. Yeah, I just didn't get it. But um, yeah. Check that out. Robin Hood with Kevin Costner. Him just with a horrible English accent. Just and Robin Hood as a fox. Both. Oh, yeah. Pretty sweet films. Yeah. Bow and arrow skills, dude. Bow and arrow skills are the best. If I could impart one thing onto the kids, just get bow and arrow skills. It's never going to hurt. No. People are right now, they're getting like axe throwing skills with all that. Where's the fucking bow? Like, yeah. the get drunk with your yeah, friends. Yeah, I need and to go, drink a craft brew and, and y- shoot a bow and arrow. Where's that? Maybe we. Yeah. Yeah. Business venture. Let's do it. Opportunity. Let's become rich. Yep. Shooting bow and arrows. Drinking craft brew. Now, last episode we're going to do on this pod is from season seven. So we're going to fast forward. I'll get you caught up. All that goes on in season six to our season seven episode. And then we'll wrap. Here's what you need to know about season six. Lana gets pregnant with Lex's baby. Okay. And they got a wedding. Kind of now, a snake move by her, but she already got the MCITW, so yeah. it makes sense. Fuck Lana. What we find out, though, is that Lana was actually a not pregnant. Whoa. Yeah. There was all this stuff about she thought she was pregnant for like three episodes. She was like maybe two months along. And then all this stuff came out of you lost the baby. Turns out, though, she was never pregnant. And it was something that Lex did to like some shady way to help convince her to stay with him versus going back to Clark. Oh, dude. It's fucked. That's uncool. So uncool. We learned in One Tree Hill with Brooks pregnancy, fake pregnancy drama, convincing someone that they're pregnant to stay in a relationship is one of the most fucked up things you can do. It's always a bad move. And in this case, it wasn't the girl doing it. It was the guy convincing the girl with all of his money and doctors that somehow she was pregnant. Yikes. <laughs> that is evil. It's fucked up. So then what happens is she does still marry Lex because Lionel 
who's been in Clark's corner has kind of been saying like, look, you got to marry Lex, Lana. And if you go back to Clark, I feel my fucking evil son is going to murder Clark. So you got to marry him to keep that shit at bay. So she does. That's a, that's weird logic. I know, but whatever it's, it's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I believe you. So the thing on, dude, the thing on Lionel and Lex, they're just constantly playing chess with each other, dude. It's a constant chess match, you know, like it's like you and your dad at funky dunks, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, you're trying to shoot a layup. That's one move. He's screaming in your face. That's his move. It's like <laughs> you make the layup checkmate. <laughs> yeah. Checkmate. My dad stops yelling at me. Got the same dynamic with my dad. <laughs> Yeah, with your arm wrestling <laughs> videos. There's always, I'm so yeah. glad you found that. There's always constant uh, infighting going on between fathers and sons. And always dude. trying to outmatch each other. So what happens is this episode essentially ends with Lana comes to her senses. She realizes all this shit. Lex faked the pregnancy. All this like hijinks has ensued. She fakes her own fucking death. Damn. What's the uh, Lana's dead count? On Smallville at this point. She's died like 37 times. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Twice on this very podcast. Yeah, so she kills herself hypothetically and goes to China. She moves to China. Good move. Get out of Dodge. First move going to Paris was probably a little like hipper, but China's also a good place to disappear. Yeah, Lana's just always bouncing when shit gets tough. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to fly around the world. Things are getting a little dicey here. Yeah. That's why she sucks because she's... Uh, her, her and Green Arrow should get together. Yeah. Just like, hey, avoid conflict by getting out of the country. Eventually, all my troubles will go away. Just know, eventually, she comes back. Good. And her and Clark, they actually start full-on dating, and he tells her her secret for reals. Oh, nice. Yeah. Does she have the same reaction? Yeah. She's totally cool with it, dude. I mean, as all... You tell your significant other or someone who has a crush on you, hey, guess what? I'm actually super sweet. Exactly. What? what could, yeah. What's the downside? I don't... There, no. Other than the villains finding out that you have a significant yeah. other and then they attack them. That's the only downside. That's it. But you're never going to get a bad reaction to be like, listen, I have superpowers and I'm going to pick you up and we'll go flying a little bit. <laughs> like, Okay. I have laser eyes. Oh. Cool. Yeah. So, so you liked sweet. me before. Now, check this out. So essentially, I'm turn a piece of coal into a diamond and give it to you. All I'm thinking about is all the cool stuff that now comes with this. Like, we don't need to buy can openers. Yeah. In our house, a lot of benefits. We don't need them. You can just laser the fucking top of the canned goods off, or use your super strength. We now have saved. Two ninety nine on a can opener. Right. No By big the deal. way, uh, going back to Clark turning that piece of coal into a diamond. Like, <laughs> if I'm him, I'm going at least like four or five carats. Oh, it seemed to be yeah. a pretty modest, like reasonable sized diamond. He kept that to like one carat. Yeah. And I, yeah, good like, point. Bump that up a little bit. I mean, if you can, if you if can, you have that power. Yeah, dude, totally. Like, put a four carat on there. Have a hundred and sixty thousand dollar. Little rock sitting on her finger. It'd be nice if he learned that trick when he was bad red Superman. Instead of smashing ATMs and stuff, he just like was making diamonds in his apartment. 
mm. be way chiller. Yeah, it's a really good point. The only other point of note before we do this season seven episode is here's what you need to know. Starts off with a fucking clip of Lex with his dad being super evil. Here it is. Lex. Lex, if you open that box, there will be no redemption for you. No redemption. Ever. I was raised in your shadow. Now you're going to die in mine. No one will even remember your name. Damn. Yeah, Lex kills his dad. That's kind of accurate because I can never pull Lionel's name. Yeah. I always call him like Luther or something. So, Lex's dad. Spot on by Lex. Yeah. But dude, how this episode is all about Lex is officially turned. So it took seven seasons. It took seven seasons to get all the good that was in Lex in season one has just slowly, slowly chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And now he kills his dad. And that's like the seminal moment of he's fully bad, fully evil. That would be a, that would be a nice question. If we interviewed Rosenbaum, like if we got him on this pod, just asking him how that experience was, like if he was able to keep in his mind, like an evil gauge and be like, all right, this episode, I'm at like a, like a 6.5, all right, mm-hmm. I'm at a 7, I'm at an 8. And if he was cognizant of that or if he was just reading the words on the page. I don't know. It's I don't a good know question. how actors work. I don't either. I feel like the writers and producers were very cognizant of it and very they were keeping big picture in mind. But, yeah, I bet the actor was probably just reading the words on the page because you can do a lot with editing and stuff too to make him like slowly, progressively turn more evil as time goes on. Yeah, dude, it's... He pushes his dad out the window and kills him. And it it's an interesting thing. It's kind of like a feeling of that was maybe the last tether that had him connected to, well, my dad's, I always have subconsciously in the back of my, my mind, my dad is judgment and I want to make him happy and I can't turn fully evil and all this stuff. And once Lex removed that snip, snip, snip doodles, it's like now there's nothing left. I can just, I can fully go off the rails. It's pretty fucked. Lionel is one of the, Lionel knows about Clark. He knew about him. I think right now the tally on who knows about Clark is Lionel, Clark's parents, obviously, Lana, and Chloe. Chloe, the five? Yeah. Yeah, Pete Ross too, but he's. And um, Christopher Reeves. Oh yeah, and Christopher Reeves. Yeah, the whole Swan family. So then this episode ends with a little music and scene at a gravesite. Love a gravesite scene. We watched this and it was so crazy because this music's playing. And I love when producers, directors do this where they just let the actors use their body language and eyes to tell you all you need to know with no words 
and this final scene with this plane is just fucking Lex and Clark at Lionel, Lex's dad's grave. Lex has said, no one can come here. No public, no one can come to this funeral. It's just going to be me. There's not even like a pastor or anything. And it's just Lex standing there with this music playing and Clark comes anyways. Lex walks right up to him in slow motion, kind of grazes his shoulder and keeps walking. And like that to me, with no words being spoken, was it's fucking on. Yeah. Nemesis status equals on forever. Love it. Between these two. So that was it, dude. That's it. Now forever we just know it's Lex Luthor versus fucking Clark. Mono y mano. Arch enemies. Yeah. You got an MVP? Yeah, dude. It's Green Arrow. Yeah. You know he was wearing Japanese denim while he was fighting crime. Oh, probably. He crushed. Yeah. Um, not only was like he an actual cool superhero with sweet skills and that cool voice, but the guy playing him is clearly an awesome actor and brought me in emotionally in like two or three scenes. I am so annoyed that as much as I loved him for being a sweet actor, finding out that he's Kevin and this is us. <laughs> that is to me the biggest. Did you spe- do you specifically hate Kevin from this is us or do you just hate the show? I hate the show. Right. The show is one of the biggest abominations put on the air and the mass just eat it up. And it seems like to me that we're all dumber for having that show in our lives. You don't like to cry? It's so bad. I'm not like to watch TV and cry. I'm not going to get into my rant on this is us because this podcast would go another three hours. I hate it. Just know I hate it. And I don't even mind Kevin, honestly, in this is us. But just the fact that he is Kevin now, and I didn't even, until you said it, it didn't click until you said it, and now I'm just so let down. But yeah, he crushed it in He this. crushed it Let's in just this. Yeah, we'll just isolate it to this. Obviously, brought to you, as always, by Japanese Denim, Japanese Made, Podcaster Approved. Yeah. I, MVP, he, easy this week. He crushed it in this. Did you also notice that his bow staff... It doesn't go around his shoulder and on his back like most bow staffs. It fucking like retracts down and then he puts it on his fucking hip like a gun. So he like shoots it and then it's like, puts it. Yeah, holsters it. Sick. It's so cool. All right, kids. Part four, Smallville in the books. One part left. Final part five coming next week. And that will be, dude. The wrap-up of it all. Season 10, the finale. I believe it's two-part for the finale, and we will just really bring this home. But for right now, kids, you know what time it is. You gotta sleep tight. You have a very comfortable night's sleep, kids. And while you're doing that, Pat, you tell them what they gotta do. Clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, kids. Do it less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there.
just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured. 